I'm Roxy. And I'm Priska. And we are the two horny girls. <laughs> Two horny goats climbing the mountain of life. Eating Asian American stereotypes for breakfast. Bitch. Bitch. How was your Thanksgiving? Oh, what's up? You know, Thanksgiving. Wait, hold on. Hold up right there. Yeah, it feels like there's a lot there. Let's unpack some things. So you're telling me it's not just turkey, cranberry sauce, and mashed potatoes. You know, there's a whole day of mourning involved, and we need to dive into that in a future episode. So there is all of that to kind of, you know, kind of reflect on. Yeah. But just the family dynamics alone can be paralyzing and exhausting and amazing and refreshing and terrifying. (laughs) All of those things in yes. one. Did I miss? Did I miss any adjectives? You know, there may be more. There actually. may be more. Okay, um, let me find some. Let me get my thesaurus out. Okay, <laughs> opening up trauma. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but seriously though, Priska, like it was good. It, it, <laughs> it was great. Well, um, I just want to say, like, we sound a little bit different today, don't we, Priska? Do we? I think you sound a little more crystal clear than ever. Okay, I, I'm ready to lick your voice. Is that weird? Can well, you have I've a always, sexual we, attraction to We've all a voice? wanted to lick your voice, Priscilla. Not just your singing voice, but also your podcast voice. But also oh, well, today, Priscilla surprised me, y'all. <gasps> yes! What What is this again? It's a brand new Sure SM7B. See, she and Abe, uh, her and Abe, <laughs> are basically, you know, they're music sound engineers extraordinaire yeah. because they're music people. Yes. So, um, you know, Priscilla surprised me with this microphone today. So now... We sound really professional. I mean, you sound so good. Like you sound crystal clear. You everything Thank about you. you. I feel like where I'm driving in a car and you're on the radio and you're like, you know, the one person that's connected me to the outside world. I feel like I'm like a Mennonite <laughs> who, you know, the first time I turn on the radio, I hear your voice and I'm like, oh my god, I'm free. But do you feel closer to me? I now? feel closer to you. I feel more intimate. But also, the reason how she was able to get this microphone yes. is on behalf of our goatee. Thank you so much, goatee. So your donation have thank led you, thank this you, thank you. to be possible yes. so we're we're upgrading our quality because of you so up and up. Thank, thanksgiving we know that thanksgiving is inundated with a lot of you know yes. um american trauma Baggage. but also yes on on you know just on the tone of gratitude yes thank you so much oh my gosh thank you goatees we could not do this podcast without you um we're finally able to get some you know just upgrade and upgrade and i think the content is always great but hopefully listening to us will get better and better as we improve and grow and change yeah, so Yay. we just want to really throw that out there. But going back to Thanksgiving, because I know that we sort of had a little takeaway real quick. But, um, you know, what's interesting was that, like, I spent Thanksgiving alone, yeah. which I really love doing. Because you do? Okay. I love that. Because I think that there's a real stigma against people who like to be alone on certain days sure. or certain rituals, right? And when did you start doing Thanksgiving alone? I think when my parents first moved back to Taiwan wow. and I was at UCI and yeah. I had to learn how to spend Christmas alone, Shit. Thanksgiving alone. Did you have to leave the dorms? No. Shit. Yeah. So I would, I would, um, like experience college very differently than most people. Yeah. Um, but it it wasn't a bad thing. Like, let me just preface it that it was difficult in the beginning because I felt major FOMA. I felt very left out. I felt like I was having, like, I wasn't having the experience of what everybody was supposed to have. But then as we grow older, you realize that you create your own culture, right? And I will say that I've been, I have a lot of friendsgivings this week. So it's not without, you 
know, um, it's not like I didn't celebrate or express gratitude with my social circles. But on the day of Thanksgiving, I chose to spend it alone because mm. I do have meditation rituals and mm. gratitude rituals that I like to do. But on the day after, I hung out with two of my best girlfriends, Leah and Rochelle. Leah and Rochelle. And I asked how their Thanksgiving was. Okay. And, you know, Ratch had a vegan Thanksgiving. Okay. <laughs> because um, her partner's um, friends, they, they hosted it and they oh, have a kid. And nice. her partner is the godfather of like the kid. And okay. so they have like a vegan family. And she was oh, like, boy. she was very stressed out yeah. making vegan food because she's yeah. not a vegan. But no like. No butter Thanksgiving is stressful. It's very stressful. Yes. So she was like, I was stressed out about that. And then like, you know, my, my friend Leo, you know, we're often, the three of us are, we don't have kids yet. Right. And so when you're in family gatherings or you're in these sorts of social situations, mm-hmm. we felt the discussion of people asking us where we are yeah. is now often quite triggering yeah. rather than just conversational, Yep, you know, t- just small talk. Because you feel as the pressure. The yeah. Has this changed for you? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think ever since we got married, especially yeah. his side of the family, uh, my husband's side of the family, they're... I honestly, Abe, like, keeps a lot of it from me because they speak in Korean. But this time, you know, his uncle sidled up next to me and was kind of like, you should have baby soon. You know, are you have baby yet? And I'm like, well, (laughs) no, (laughs) clearly. Um, And he's like, you should have baby soon, which is just their cultural way of saying this is how we care about you. And this is how we are invested into your life, you know. But at the same time, it's like. Yeah, it is triggering because I know that I'm running out of baby making years or at least that's, you know, medically what they kind of tell you, um, even though there's so many factors that are unknown. You can have a lot of different ways to have babies. Yes. Too. Yeah. And I, I don't know even if I would be fertile. I don't know if we're ready to have kids. And honestly, financially, that's just not where we're at. And it, and like totally in, in, in terms of like psychologically and in, in our relationship, we just have other things we're focused on right now. Can you I know? ask you a question? Yeah. Because not only are we talking about like you, you know, going to a more like family based, like Thanksgiving with yeah. both Abe's family and your family, sure. both in one day, right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. Uh, to all my partnered people who are connected <laughs> with each other's families, and, you know, it's a blessing. It's a great thing. It's 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 great because we do have so much family, but it is fucking stressful. So shout out to all of you out there who had to deal with that. Yeah, And also you're cross cultural, too. And that's like another layer because yeah. I so I was like ready. I was looking for Prisca to update her stories on Thanksgiving <laughs> and, and, and the day before Thanksgiving, because yeah. I know she's going to be putting up some killer oh, food gosh, content. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then she was making kalbi cheem. Yes. Right. I don't know if I'm saying that right. No, you but then yeah. also like you were you were you were saying, oh, my God, I hope I'm getting this right like you right. were sharing openly about that and then on thanksgiving day like during the day i saw you and a prepared like a full fucking spread oh, like of the turkey like of all the dishes spread out and all the fixings all yeah. the, the what i could just think about was my god that feels stressful <laughs> it was very stressful i think leading up to it and prepping for it was really stressful and obviously like i'm making kalbi which is like a korean celebratory dish um for my korean in-laws and i'm taiwanese and so yeah. i you know I, I i don't want to offend anybody i but don't you're like want... making that effort though to like yeah try to get it right but it's like them. if it's wrong 
they're going to know these people, you know, they're going to be great about it. No one's ever going to give me like any grief, but I I just felt the pressure Um. and I, and my mother-in-law is a great cook. So I, I just felt Mm. like I want to make her happy, you know? So we, um, I cooked the Calvi gym the night before and then Abe was like brining the turkey and like, you know, we woke up extra early and prepped everything else and got the house ready and made sure, you know, everything was good to go. And so, yeah, it was definitely stressful. And Roxy was asking me like, how do you communicate with your in-laws? I really don't. And it is a bummer because, um, you know, I speak just enough Mandarin to like basically um, kiss up to people. Like I speak <laughs> the perfect amount of Mandarin where I can just like kiss up to people and like say the right things and like, you know, say all the polite adult shit. And it sucks because I've been training like, you know, as a pastor's kid my whole life to like kiss up to like adults. And I love adults. Like I'm not a like, I'm not an anti-adult person, right, you know? Right. And so um, now with my Korean in-laws, like I can't utilize any of my <laughs> skill set. And it sucks, you it's know so what I mean? It's funny because you're like, I got to the point where I feel yeah. confident yeah. to have like a proficient conversation. Yes. Right. And it's like, just kidding. Just you're kidding. You're going to marry into another culture. Yeah, so exactly. Like, so <laughs> all of my skills, like they don't know, they don't know that I'm, you know, that I'm charming. <laughs> Or you can be charming. No, they know that you're charming. I don't know. That, I, that, that yeah, like comes right. across even without language, Priscilla. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, again, I'm very fortunate to have a very supportive sister-in-law. Obviously, Abe yeah. is very supportive, but his sister-in-law, she blocks and tackles for me when I can't even see what's happening. You know, I don't even see... That's amazing. You know, the the play is happening, but she does and she blocks and tackles for me. And so I really appreciate her. How was not seeing your family, though, for Thanksgiving? I know it's something you're more used to now, but this is a COVID-induced separation. <laughs> so how has that been? I think Thanksgiving itself, I've never considered like a real lack just because it's such a short amount of time yeah. and you don't really get to go to another country and celebrate Thanksgiving for right. a meal and fly Isn't back. is crazy that kids get the full week off? Because didn't we only get Wednesday through Friday? Yes. Like, I think we should protest. That's really... <laughs> <laughs> we should do a peaceful protest. Yeah, peaceful. Very yeah, peaceful. very peaceful. Very food coma-induced. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And no it's one, like, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. mean, I mean, I, I don't really, I think Thanksgiving is usually a, a, like for me in, in this life, like I've identified it as a time to like get together with friends that I haven't seen in a long time. And yeah. we do a Friendsgiving. Um, and then I think the 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 more triggering holiday would be Christmas okay. because it's the biggest American holiday, right. right? Like in Taiwan, it's Lunar New Year. Right. And so Taiwan doesn't really celebrate Christmas. So if I go back, it's like, I don't, I don't have any of that Christmas celebration that I love seeing here. The Christmas trees, the decorations, a guy coming to your door with like cardboard with things he wrote on in Sharpie. That's never happened to me before, but I (laughs) could still still fantasize about that jaw. Take a note. Um, (laughs) But you know, (laughs) but you know, it's like the holiday drinks at Starbucks, even things like that. And uh, so I miss out on Christmas. Christmas when right. I go back to Taiwan. I see. But I think what's what's more scary for me is like this is going to be the second holiday in a row that I'm not going to see my family because right. of COVID. Yeah. And um, the other spectrum of that is how much I've changed and how I'm afraid of what I will I don't even know how to properly phrase this, like Mm. how I will assimilate Mm. into that environment after so long. Huh. Uh, Like assimilate back into going back to Taiwan. Like everything, like the culture, the climate, the, my family, my parents living in their, you know, being inside their house. I mean, most people don't 
think this deeply about it, but mm. I go back for like a month at yeah. a time. You're like living with I'm them. I'm living again with for... them. Yes. And it's been the longest time since this has happened. So, and because I have become more outspoken, mm. you know, I stand up for a lot of things. I'm more unapologetic about certain things. I'm just sort of, and because of our family dynamics, because we know how our families right. are yeah. and we all change and evolve differently. Some sure. don't change at all. Yeah. So yeah. how do you meet in the middle? Right. So okay, to get a little more specific, cause I kind of really want to make sure I'm understanding what are what are maybe one or two things that you're specifically a little anxious about well my mom okay <laughs> I, think, oh, I, I feel like I feel like our mothers come up a lot yes you know in yeah. conversations on this podcast um and I was I love her she's yeah. my best friend um but she wasn't parented right by her parents she mm. was brought up by her sisters and um we all know that the cycles of patterns get regurgitated yeah. as we create more families right. and so um for me it's like i i want to be nurtured in a certain way but yeah. i don't get that from her right and what, yeah. what happened to her parents um so if you want to see, just go watch Little Big Women. Oh, right. On, on, on Netflix. Netflix. Or is it Big Little Women? Either one. Big Little um, Women, I think. Yes, yeah. Big Little Women. And um, my basically my grandmother was a single mom who raised seven children on her own. Wow. Um, the family has framed my grandfather to be a cheater mm. and someone who stole lots of money and, um, you know, basically left my grandmother to fend for herself. So it's been, it was, it's not the most loving, you know, family. Mm. It's not at all, actually. Mm. So she's, she had to survive. And because she had to survive, she didn't know how to nurture. I see. Because there was no room to nurture. Yeah, yeah. And so all the sisters kind of had this like eggshell, afraid mm. of doing the wrong thing, um, sort of culture, family culture. So my dad always talks about, how different our family cultures are because my dad grew up in a very loving family. Right, right. And um, even though his dad passed away when he was 13, his mother, they were more privileged. Mm. They had, they could eat meat and right. they could do all these things, right? And my dad was the youngest, so he was the most spoiled one. And wow. so um, I think like I, being older now, instead of trying to hold, like, instead of holding resentment when things don't go my way, yeah. I think we just have to be patient in seeing the bigger picture. Like literally moments before we started this episode, yeah. Yeah. I was venting a little bit uh -huh. and then Abe was just like, you have to remember how she was parented or not parented right. because you can't solve it. It doesn't excuse it, but it also helps you see things much clearly. Yeah. And if you didn't notice already, y'all, today's episode topic is family dynamics. <laughs> <laughs> we figured coming out of this pre-holiday season or first holiday season, moving into the deeper holiday season, we thought we would broached this topic how fun yeah <laughs> and as we were typing our beat sheet both of us were sweating because yeah we're sweating i mean it, it just it just, just comes to we... a certain point but i feel like it does need to be discussed so yeah, yeah. because I, I know that you and your mom you constantly have these like you're testing each other's boundaries constantly yeah, yeah. and it's improved right and also there are some moments for more exploration. Yeah. So what has your dynamic been like recently with her? I think what has been good in recent years is, um, you know, we've had a certain amount of separation of space mm -hmm. and I've gotten a little bit better um, at noticing when she is trying to be controlling or manipulative and I just nip it in the bud. Um, and I kind of noticed this, you know, my mom and my sister Vicky, we, we took a trip the other day, a day trip, and my mom just kept criticizing Vicky like the whole time just kept going after her and I was like 
oh my gosh, like this is what my childhood and adolescence was like. And this is also what I fought against. So like, it's funny in certain ways because, you know, Vicky's an adult. She can manage herself and whatnot. And Vicky lives at home. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, wow, this has been so much work to stop um, kind of this onslaught of criticism, you know, just comments on everything, every little thing that she was doing. My mom had a comment for. Um, is it and because that she lives with her? It's just how my mom is. It, mm. Unchecked. She just has a lot of anxiety and it's her love language kind of that she's watching over and concerning herself with everything around you. Kind right. of, you know, the original OG tiger helicopter. Right. You know, right. A, a two in one, not just a tiger, but also a helicopter. <laughs> a <tiger parent>. helicopter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> She's a tiger helicopter. Yeah. Um, and so, but you know what I realized more recently is like, I... I really like my mom, especially when she's kind of like off when she's not, you know, pastor's wife or, you know, leading these um, foreign exchange students. And she's just kind of chilled out. Like, I really like her, you know, and she's been opening up to me a little bit more. Um, honestly, I think the podcast has been good because ever since my dad got interviewed, like I said, my mom's always trying to give me an interview, you know. Right. And so she's just like opening up more and, and she's chilled out a lot. Um, so I, you know, she all of these foreign exchange students, it's, it's college, um, entrance time. So they're all doing exams and essays and, and filling out all these, you know, applications. And a lot of these kids are from Taiwan and China, foreign exchange students. Right. And so my mom is helping them with their applications and, you know, helping them, you know, figure out what classes to apply for or which majors to apply for, et cetera, et cetera. And of course the college essays. And she has, um, X amount of students and there's like eight or 12 different essays that they have to, each student has to write like four essays. So uh -huh. just multiply that by whatever factor. And then you get a whole bunch. Right. And my mom was stressing out. Yeah. And so I, against maybe my better judgment, I, I saw her stressed out and I offered to help like I would any friend, you know, cause I like this person. I really love her. Um, I like her and I love her, you know, and that turned into opening kind of a can of worms to manipulation. Um, and I love her and I know she didn't mean it, but she just went back to her old ways yeah. of acting it like subconsciously it did. Um, and you know, my sister Rose and I, we kind of chatted about it on the side because we realized we were both being manipulated. And so I had a, a, a affirming boundary setting talk with my mom, which was really good. And in the end, I don't know what this really is, Rox. And you were you were saying, you know, we always look for our parents approval. But yeah, what's fucked up is at the end of this, like I got my mom's like respect. But at what cost? <laughs> Did you? And, I don't know. And, and and when she when we opened up that can of worms, yes. Did did you notice at the time what was going to ensue and what it asked of you? I didn't quite know, but then I know my mom, so in the back of my head I knew. But you know how you Already kind of the forget? Red flags yes. are sort of like flagging their way at yes, you. Yes, yeah. yeah. And it was just like the late night texts, the <sighs> the like, when are you getting it in? When are you getting it in? When are you getting it in? Type of thing, and then the 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 great amount of thanks, but then also immediately, okay, cool, I'm sending you four more. So it was just, you know what I mean? It was it uh, it was reliving a little portion of my adolescence again. It was great. Oh, that's kind of interesting because it's yeah. like at the beginning of that, I'm like, oh. Prisca, are you and your mom friends? I know. I, I like, are think you we, friends? I think we kind of are. And I have to, I feel like we're friends until she, um, she reverts and then I revert, you know, into our old dynamic. And then I, and then usually me, I have to be the one to be like, whoa, 
let's take a step back. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. I'm doing this. This is specifically what I'm doing. So I have to like reframe and it. And she'll her. respect that, right? She Now she does. It used to be an entire fight, but now she knows. And she, she does like, she does ultimately respect my boundaries because I think she, to her, she would rather respect my boundaries than deal with me. Cause what kind of you know, it's like a funny roundabout way of respecting my boundaries of like, wow, it's way too much fucking trouble. To like not, you know what I mean? So yeah, that's pretty much where we're at. Wow. It's like, wow, Prisca's a handful, but yeah. like, you know, but, but I would much rather have your, you know, your mom think of you that way than to be like, step all over you and start a fight yeah. as if you're 12 or yeah. something right and goatees i know i am not the only one and roxy is not the only one dealing with not just our mothers but maybe any parent or parental figure in your life and if you have things you would like to talk to us about please email us hello at two speaking of hello at two we got this wonderful letter from our friend esther esther and before we sink into topic one, we're already like in topic one, but yeah. before we sink into it, can we just, can we just appreciate? Thank you, Esther. Thank you. Oh my God. Thank you. I mean, honestly, like Esther wrote us like such a, yeah. like it's literally like the, the most touching yeah. letter. Like I forwarded to my parents again, looking for approval <laughs> um, and more validation yes. that we're doing this podcast. And, you know, I, we got a, a lot from our goatees and um, well, thank you so much, Esther. It just really made my day. Made my whole Ugh. fucking weekend. I yeah. like texted Prisca about it. Like she cried. I really yeah, did. I hate to, yeah. you know, but she cried. Yeah. <laughs> Thank like, you. Not to put your, you know, out there. Yeah. And, you know, Esther is so one of vulnerable. my really close friends. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you know, I think in talking to her through listening to the podcast, she feels that she knows you. And, yeah. and I think that's such a beautiful experience because I think you share so openly on the show and, and that takes a lot of courage. So. So do you, baby. Oh, my gosh. So do both of us. Yeah. So uh, we love all of you guys. Thank you. Yes. You know, continue to write us letters or continue to donate. And whatever. take <laughs> care. Yeah. Continue to donate. And take care during this holiday season, whether you are celebrating or aren't celebrating um it's a complex time either way because if you don't celebrate you feel some sort of weird lack and if you do celebrate you are faced with this onslaught of family dynamics so um take care during this season no matter how you're you're doing it um Roxy, can I ask you a question? Yeah. So topic one is kind of, we want to talk about our family dynamics over the years, like in the past. Mm -hmm. um, so thinking back to, to your family dynamic when you were an adolescent or child, um, what was something that made you feel incredibly connected to your family? You know, this is actually a very hard question to answer mm. because I don't have a big family. I just have my mom and dad Yeah. and my dad would work all the time, <sighs> you know, and yeah. he would probably come eat after he gets home from work, but we don't eat together. Really? Because my mom would have me eat early with her. Oh. And then my dad, because depending on when he comes home from work, he would eat. And I would wow. maybe hang out with him while he eats. Yeah. Right. But like as a unit, it's very rare. So a wow. lot of these like big family celebrations like Christmas or even Easter, well, mostly Christmas is the big one that's coming up where you have like big family celebrating a lot of family traditions and we never really had those mm. like we never really like maybe lunar new year we'll have a bowl of tang yun you know yeah. but it, it's not to downplay what my parents haven't done because we all know that we all try our best yeah. with what we can and i think the the best holiday that we could ever celebrate was my birthday yeah, because obviously yep. that that's the day, day where, the world. where I could just be celebrated like yeah. for existing. Right. For sure. For sure. And, um, be spoiled with whatever. But 
I, I didn't grow up with any siblings and mm. my mother gave me all her attention mm. and my dad was always at work. So I have mm. this very connected tie with my mother and because it's so connected, it's like fraught with a lot of, wow. you know, complex nuances and, yeah. um, good things and bad things taken together. Oh, hell yeah. Oof. So my dad has always been, and I think I don't know if this is the right word, but I always felt like there was a form of resentfulness hmm. because like my mom basically had to give up her autonomy. Right. Um, she couldn't work. She became a housewife. You know, she had a college degree. She wow. was fluent in Japanese. Really? Um, yeah. She was a journalist. Yeah. And uh, she gave all of it up to come with my dad to the United States wow. and uh, raise me as a housewife. Wow. So I know that like nowadays I define my identity a lot with what I do. Yeah. Yeah. And the work that I do. And, and when my dad comes up, my dad's so joyous and happy. Mm -hmm. And so she almost pushes herself out of the way when my dad gets here. Mm. Like even now to this day, if I FaceTime both of them, she's just like, Oh yeah, it's your time with dad. And then she disappears. And she, really? she like, and then if my dad's like, Hey mom, like come back and talk to your daughter. Like yeah. my mom's like, I talk to her all the time during wow. the week. So in a way my, I know we're, we're still one family, but it's like the, we have disconnected conversations. Right, 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 right. I didn't know that. That's crazy. And it's interesting because you were sharing about your mom's family and I think her even finding a healthy relationship with your father was a big move for her. But then being a new mother and being incredibly isolated, you know, we, we were talking, um, just earlier today, just about how um, a lot of mothers don't get the support that they need in, in terms of like social support, you know, um, and your mom just had you. It was just the two of you. And she poured all of her attention, but it wasn't always healthy. Right. No, it wasn't always healthy. I just remembered, um, you know, we've had parents that use beatings as a way of, you know, yeah. punishment. And that was how she was punished, mm. you know, when she was growing up and, I remembered like not doing my Kumon homework. Ooh, yep. <laughs> and she'll be like, so sensual, you know, Ooh. like stick out your hand, you know? Yeah. And sometimes when it was manic, I would just see glimpses of like how my grandmother probably was to her. Wow. And it, it's, it's interesting because I feel like I know my mom so intimately and because she loves me so much mm -hmm. Because I am her whole life. Mm -hmm. It's like because she wasn't able to have her own autonomy mm -hmm. during like in her life, basically to to choose her own path, her marriage, mm -hmm. she can't fail. Mm -hmm. And me as a daughter can't fail wow. because we're the only two sort of, I, I guess, like factors in her life. Yeah. Where she feels like she she needs to succeed. So anyways, that's my family dynamic. Yeah. Like in the past, I mean, it's really more karmically connected to my mom. My dad and I are, you know, happy go lucky. Like we're, it's always very joyous right. like as much as we can, because we understand that our time together physically is limited. Right. Um, right. But you come from a very different experience. Yeah, I do. I do. And, and yeah, just to, I guess, kind of like think about that for a second. Like, how was that with your dad being so absent and then kind of like, able to kind of just jump in being happy-go-lucky whenever he wanted. How was that? That's the patriarchy. Ah, 
Okay. And, and, and you know, my dad's wonderful. You know, yeah. he's not a misogynist. He's no. not any of that. But I'm just saying, like, the system in he's which... He's allowed to. Yes, mm-hmm. in which these sorts of, sort of, like, heteromonogamous, like, um, yeah. dynamics are created, especially in suburban communities yeah. and, you know, like, in these cultures. Yeah. Like, my dad could be whatever the fuck he wanted. Right. And our fathers could be whatever the fuck they wanted. And, and our mother sort of had to deal with, like, you know, parenting alone or, yeah. like, you know, making the food and cleaning and, like, doing all the things that right. are maybe not as valid valued in right. society's eyes sure. like i know that your mother you know she's a breadwinner she's a breadwinner of yeah your family. it's kind of interesting because i think that gender roles are flipped in my family but then the 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 critical roles are are maintained the same so you know my my mom is the more critical one of me and and kind of really kept tabs on me but she worked every day so from nine to six thirty, you know, she was in downtown, like she carried like a briefcase, like she wore like power suits with like shoulder pads and whatnot. Um, and she would come home and immediately, you know, sit with us and talk through our day at school and talk through every lesson and, um, every piece of schoolwork and, and go over what we had to do and kept very close tabs on us while as my dad, didn't know one test from the other, you know, but my dad was the one who drove us to school, picked us up, drove us to gymnastics or piano lessons or whatever we had going on, um, you know, cooked us dinner and like kept us in order all in the afternoon. So, but he has, he was not critical of us in any way. He was the happy go lucky one in my life. So it's interesting that we have that kind of like flip flop. I'm just going to ask, why do you think that our mothers are so masculine in expecting us to be a certain outcome, whereas our fathers seemed more laissez-faire about how we turn out? I think like, I don't know, honestly, but I think because your mom had a lot of sisters as well, right? And my mom had a lot of sisters. Um, And I'm, I'm from a family of three sisters. And so I think weirdly... I don't know. Maybe there's a lot of things, but I think because we didn't have a brother, we don't have that um, dichotomy of feminine versus masculine. Uh, so then we, all three of us are kind of masculine. Like, right, you know, if we right, were to right. fall on the side, like, I mean, we have our things that we like that are more feminine, but right. for just generally speaking, we're either neutral or fall on the more masculine side of things. That's interesting. Yeah. Cause I guess that would be the same here because right. I never had a brother. Yeah. And oh, you know, I talked in the past about like feeling like I need to pick up that mantle yeah. of like not being a son in my family. Yes. And, and even though that's never been pressed, you feel it somehow. It's somewhere in the totally. ether, you know? But I guess one thing that makes me feel connected to my family because we were so sheltered, the three, like my sisters and I, the type of music that we listened to, it wasn't pop music or it wasn't, it wasn't even popular music from the time of my parents' childhood. Like, you know, I feel that a lot of, you know, a lot of kids uh, or kids that were my age, their parents, they would listen to what was popular to their parents. My parents didn't listen to that. So what's, what makes me feel connected to my family is when we can sing songs together that only we kind of know or listen to. Um, and, and, and that doesn't make us special, right? But like Sandy Patty was like a soprano singer that was a, you know, a Christian soprano singer. And we listened to her album on repeat all the time. And so I remember when we'd put that on in the car, like that's what we would sing along to. That's beautiful. You know? Like it wasn't, you know, I don't even, Beach Boys or I something. I love that. Yeah. It's something so random. Something random. Yeah, it was just us, you know? And uh, my dad every morning like would play like this little like, um, a MIDI player that would play hymns and we all know that sound so 
clearly because it was on every morning for hours at a time. So there are these very like sonic memories that make me feel very connected to my family because we were so sheltered and it doesn't um, pace with any anyone else that I know. Wow. Yeah. Now that I think about it, I realize I never answered your question. If I could right. put one sort of item of pop culture that would connect me to my yes. family, Mr. Bean. <gasps> Mr. Bean! Comedy without language. There you go. There you go. All in the body. So it's like, yeah, yeah. it's all slapstick. And my parents would laugh, oh my you know, gosh. back in Europe, we'll watch <laughs> Mr. Bean. In New Jersey, we'll watch Mr. Bean. Like, it was <laughs> the one thing that all of us found funny <laughs> and that we could all understand. Yes. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Rowan Atkinson. Yeah, yeah. Bring in the fire. Genius. I know. I heard he's kind of a dick, but that's fine. Well, you know, but that's he's fine. a genius. It's okay. Yeah, it's but a genius. Like, going off of that, yes. Priska, mm-hmm. like you were asking, like what connects you to this to your family in the yeah. past? Like, what do you think created distance in the past? What created distance? Ooh, um, that's a good question. Um, I think, you know, I think you and I were both artistic people, um, and I joke sometimes because my dad's an engineer and my mom is an auditor. And so they had like pretty much three creative kids and they were just like, what the fuck do we do with them? (laughs) You know? And so to their credit, like they put us in music and they, they let us do art, you know, and fuck, I I went to school for film. You know, my mom wasn't happy (laughs) happy about it, but I did. Um, Who's a CPA here? Yeah, exactly. Like what the fuck, you know? And so I think that what made me feel distant was I, you know, obviously, you know, we have a podcast where we talk about our feelings, but I was very emotional and I thought a lot and and I think it terrified my mom in certain ways because there's no safety in overfeeling your emotions. You know, there's safety in stifling your emotions and pushing through whatever difficulty you're facing and just facing it anyway. And then she uses something like religion or the Lord to to help her get through that, you know? And so instead of facing your emotions and feeling them and um, speaking at length about them, like she would much prefer to keep them orderly and just have the Lord help her through them, you know, instead of dealing with them, just help her, um, I guess, endure. Has that changed in the way that you navigated now? Like, I think there definitely is like, you know, I think Abe is so, my husband is so interesting to me because he is what I am to my family. He's the extreme from me. So it's like, you're the medium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like medium. How you know? tables have turned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, there are times where he's like really just feeling all of his emotions and going through all of, you know, just letting himself steep in it. And I'll find myself being like, hey, buck up, dude. You just got to put those emotions in order and endure. And I'm like, oh, shit. I, that's what my mom would say to me. So you know? like in the past when you were feeling your feelings, yeah. Um, and you were probably being reprimanded for feeling your feelings yes. that hard. How did you control that? Or did mm-hmm. you end up stifling it? Like when she asked that of you, or did you still found a way to move through it? I think what was good was I was such a, like, um, I was so isolated most of the time. Like I was fortunate. I had my own room, um, during my adolescence. So I was able to, Oh, thank goodness. I know I, I wrote a lot like in my journals and I, I very much so turned inward. And I think I didn't have, um, a social life to speak of. And so I was just alone and observing people a lot and reading a lot and writing, you know, to myself, just honestly out of pure survival, like, cause I had all these thoughts and I would be reprimanded for certain things. Um, 
and in church where I was the most confident, my mom was the, um, the youth leader, the youth pastor at the time. So she would reprimand me after every meeting for all the thoughts that I had or all the things that I shared, you know, so I was very tightly policed. And so, yeah, I definitely used, um, writing and, and, you know, journal writing, blog writing, whatever it was to get a, a lot of that, um, feeling misunderstood out. Yeah. Where did you think that this sort of villainization mm. of, of, or like weaponizing emotions against you stems from in our communities? Yeah. I'm not sure. Cause I'm out of curious. survivalism, like, like Maybe. out of war, like out of what, you know, like, cause like, yeah, I think like, you know, this, our generation of immigrant parents, they they were not allowed to feel their feelings. They just had to come and they had to survive. They had to make it work. There were no other options, you know? Um, and I'll never know what that's like, you know? And 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 like we were saying, I guess, like my, my mom's family was very fortunate. And my dad's family, like even though they were less privileged, they they were able to come upon, uh, they were able to come to the U.S. with um, education visas. So we were coming at this very privileged time to be an immigrant, which is like a weird thing to say. But so I think because they had that, they were like, well, we have such a head start. We have to fucking balls to the walls, like be successful. Another question. Yeah. Do you think that being able to feel your feelings is a privilege? See, see, I think I keep reading that it is, and maybe it is because when you are not in a fight or flight situation, you are able to sit and ascertain what the rest of your body is doing. And, and I think feelings include, you know, yeah, are included yeah. in that. Because it's, it's interesting. Like when I'm having conversations with, you know, a different generation of yeah. women yeah. who probably had to go through that fight or flight, like you're talking about, right. still haven't really reckoned with yeah. what it is that they're feeling. The first thing that I know now as an adult, having gone through therapy and like being able to talk openly like this with my community, the first thing I see is, Oh gosh, they have no idea what emotion right. they're currently sitting in, right? They can't yeah. even identify it. Right. And because they can't identify it, they just push it away so that they can just function and move forward with yeah. it. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's fascinating. It's so interesting because as you were saying that, I remember that time I was telling you where my mom's sister passed away, right? Yes. Um, and it was, her, we've had a lot of family members pass away. This was my mom's baby sister the only girl in her family younger than her. Right. And that was her everyday playmate. That was her, you know, I, this was the sister. They moved to the U.S. together. Yeah. Um, you know, they were very close. And I remember the night, you know, she passed and they took the body away. Um, and we just sat in my mom's room together. And I think there was a moment where I was asking her questions just gently. Like, how are you doing? You know, what are some of the thoughts going through your head? Like, how are you feeling? And then it was met with this, like, almost childlike, like, anger. Like, why? Why? Why Why are you asking me this? You know? And I, I kind of was, like, a little bit surprised. But I was just like, okay, let me just stay gentle. And we kind of moved through that and finally got to a place where she was sharing a little bit about what she was feeling and where she was at. And, you know, it was not easy. but And it didn't come out easy. But that childlike anger made me kind of see where it, what at what point in her emotional development that had to cease or stop. That must have been very scary for her to relinquish that to you because, right. I mean, our parents, I think their biggest fear, especially our moms, because yeah. our moms are Sagittarius women. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so it's like, um, did you ever like find yourself parenting your parent? I think more so now. Right. Um, and I think my mom's like, like very cute, 
childlike side is coming out more and more, which she never showed previously. That's beautiful. Yeah. But have you gotten to some of those little like points with your mom? No. Like little like little threshold points? <laughs> no, no, no. My mom is very resilient in, in, <laughs> in, in who she is. But but wow. the only way that I'm able to really get through to her is if I tap in into my my witchy Roxy, which yeah. she's a little bit afraid of. Interesting. Because witchy Roxy yeah. sees everything. Right. And so it's like when I happen into the 5D stuff, that's yeah. when you could see that she's a little bit unsure because wow. she's no longer talking to her daughter. Yeah. She's talking to her daughter with a psychic ability to see through all the bullshit. Oh, shit. And that's so fucking crazy. That's fucking crazy. But only when she allows me to do yeah. that. Um, But, you know, I think because she sees me as like the proof of her success again, yeah. like going back to the this one motif um it's very hard for her to relinquish that wow that the way that she sees me as that she's i think she's just hard like she is just there's a hard line that I you just, can't cross i just i just i just yearn to see i've never seen her soft Shit. like genuinely all the way soft never ever fuck ever like, I think, like, that one time yeah. regarding your aunt's passing, you saw your mom soft. I did. For, like, that moment. Yeah. And I'm yeah. trying to think. I'm like, despite my mom grieving, but we never had that moment either where it's wow. like she talks about her feelings with me. And I think in her mind, it's like, she's the mom. She's resilient. She's the strong one. Shit. She's the strong one. She's the strong one. I'm like, mom, yes, of course you're the strong one. I know. Yeah. You know? But, um... But I think to us, like being soft, now we appreciate that as such a strength because we're allowed to, but they weren't. Yes. You know? And I think that's, I think first, firstly, we should commend ourselves for doing that because right. that does take work. Second, right. there is a part of me that thinks that that's a privilege too, mm, yeah, you know, yeah, because, yeah, yeah. because we have the space to go to therapy. We have yeah. the money to go to therapy. We yeah. have, time. you know, time and we're, we're living inside our heads, yeah. you know, because like, we're not people who are like laborers on the border of poverty, like living no. inside their body so much that they lack to think about themselves in that way. Yeah. Right? It's like crazy because our parents worked so hard, you know, they came to the U S they squirreled money away. They climbed whatever corporate ladder they needed to, or, you know, or took care of their families built a life here so that we could have this privilege of examining you know what this is fucking crazy because yeah. now i feel really humbled because yeah. like before this conversation i was like i'm gonna vent about all these things because like yeah i feel like i'm growing so fast but like there are people not catching up to me but at the same time yeah. yes totally different struggle it is a different struggle yeah. and it's like asking them to tap into that it's a huge ask yeah and you know the thing with my parents that i'm always going to be grateful for is no matter what I ask of them. It doesn't matter what time of day. It doesn't matter when they, they're always, they always are there. They, there's never any hesitation. There's never, let me do it Monday. They, they will do it like right away. Anything that any of my sisters and I need, um, because like we're such a task oriented family, you know? Um, and maybe emotionally I don't get the support all the time, but right. anything task oriented, any, any favors, any, they're just always again that automated physical response oh yeah yeah it's it, it is never wavering and i i think yeah i don't take the time to appreciate that enough either i think yeah. I, this is so beautiful yeah. because i was just like oh wow this is, this is like a really big discovery process because yeah. i'm like oh i want that nurture you know yeah. like seeing my white friends and, sure. and like sleeping over at their family's yeah. places when i was like in fifth grade or something seemed great 
Yeah. It seems so nice. It seems have, so different. I was like, I'm yeah. not used to that. And I'm not being, I've never been spoken to like that. Right. Like, am I supposed to have that too? Like, but my mom says I have to get an A plus on this in order to get that. Right. But like, she seems to have just gotten it. Yeah. But then when shit really does hit the fan. Like we oh, know we can rely on yeah, our, family. Our, our family fucking shows yeah. up for us. So like, and, and, and uh, going on top of that though, <laughs> to, to explore this topic a little bit deeper about when we need something, our yeah. family shows up. Yes. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Is there uh, a caveat I... that comes with that? Right, 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 right. And then are there strings attached when they do come out and help? I guess. I, um, yeah. I mean, to have to to have to be like when they when you need them yeah i see what you're saying it's 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 tough because i know at the end of the day my parents or my family will show up for what i need yeah but i would feel guilt or i'll feel like there's an attachment or i feel like this is something they could always pull up if things weren't good between Mm. us or the transaction you know, right. sort of mentality behind the give and take. Because, like, growing up, yeah. like, in Taiwan and in a lot of Asian countries, yeah. multi-generational families live in one household. Yes. They share everything. Yeah. You know? the I remember my aunt or, like, my big aunt would mm-hmm. cook dinner for everyone. Everybody. like like uh, Like, every single night. And we'll have, like, my my um ape you know yeah. my big my big uncle's family on one floor and then my upwo on another floor wow. and my yeah and then it's all one family in the same rice shop oh, and then like wow. everybody will all the cousins would have dinner at the little kids table like every single That's night amazing it is something that i've never gotten used to here all my cousins yeah. grew up with that type of big family wow. dynamic and I, I you know i grew up very differently and and here you know it's like my parents were saying like again this is probably an offset topic but what will happen when you get older and mm. there's no one to take care of you? Mm. That's why you should be having children. Right, and I yeah. go, no, because my friends will have children. I'll become cool as Aunt Roxy. Yeah. And if I become crippled and will dying, like yeah. I will love them just the same as my right. own kids. And they'll show up for me in the same way. Like yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. have that fear. Right. But it's sort of like this cycle of like, give, take, give, take, yes. don't owe debt, don't owe anything. Yeah. Like, you know, repay your debts, all of that. Always. Always. Yeah. To keep this sort of balance of love. Right, 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 right. I I definitely, I think it's like interesting because I don't have that with my dad. My dad is like, whatever he gives, like, it's just given. Right. And then with my mom, she's an auditor. So once I borrow, like, it's up on a spreadsheet. And that spreadsheet is emailed to me and I get like reminders from her, you know? So it's like, and, and you will be, and I will be expected like to owe interest for if I take too long to pay it off. You know, I often have trouble understanding what's culture, what's just my family, what's just my mom and what's just my dad. And then what's religion. It's the subculture, subculture, subculture of of like all of it. And then I'm like, who the fuck am I? You know, but on that note, we're going to take a little breaky break. Like, like when we were writing the piece, we were looking at each other we're like, fuck. There's no way we're going to get through this. <laughs> we have like 10 more pages. There's so much yeah. here. Yeah, we're going to have to break this yeah, up into we'll, a couple laps. <laughs> we'll be right back. Hi, Goatees. Hope you're enjoying today's episode. Thanks for sticking with us and listening to everything from our fun episodes about food history to difficult episodes discussing sexual grooming. 
If you're enjoying the pod, please consider donating. We're a self-funded project and the support of our listeners helps us out immensely. If you've already donated, thank you so much for keeping us going. All right, that's my spiel. Now back to the show. Guys are back. Hey! How y'all doing? I know. Are you guys binge eating Thanksgiving leftovers? Because <laughs> we are. <laughs> I know we are. <laughs> right after this. But speaking oh, of Thanksgiving. Yes. Uh, also, Prisca, just to like think about Thanksgiving and to think about like yeah. life two years ago. Yeah. How did we fucking do it? Because like know. you would work, you would commute to work. Yeah. You would go to work. Yeah. You'll, you'll take off work. Yeah. You have weekends to run errands. You lunch at your desk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then to do laundry and clean and shit, spend time with like your partner or yeah. like your friends, maybe. Or your dog. <laughs> or maybe. Right. <laughs> and then like thanksgiving family right yeah christmas family right family and then back to work back to fucking work that was crazy how did we do it i have no idea i don't have energy like all day yesterday i don't know how people went black friday shopping oh yeah yeah. i don't know did you buy anything i bought one thing from my phone i barely moved my thumb (laughs) i got so overwhelmed yeah online i was was like everything was like black friday and then plant shops green friday and i'm like oh god oh god yeah no it was like i just didn't do anything i didn't buy anything yesterday yeah Yeah. i bought one thing that i planned to buy on that day and i bought it but nothing else what is it like cyber monday oh my god oh my god i'm broke you can't (laughs) stop hitting me with your (laughs) with my inbox is inundated it's so hard to survive but yeah i can't i'm glad that the world right now is is you know prioritizing time off you know and rest and mental health and well-being you know also once they started talking about that i never realized how much of it i needed yeah yeah no definitely this giant pause and which we are still kind of in uh has been really good for a lot of people obviously a lot of people have faced sickness and and financial difficulty and but for those of us who haven't and are fortunate, you know, it's been good to reflect and to see what's actually important, you know. And I think this Thanksgiving, you know, sitting around that table, being able to be together. Thanks, booster shot. Um, <laughs> just was really get your booster. special. Yeah, go get your booster. <laughs> it was really special because, you know, at my family's table, like we sat, we've sat around this janky ass wooden breakfast table for the past like 15 years you know and we've seen and lost a lot of people in that time and you know this week I just took a minute and I was like we've had a lot of dinners here and a lot of people that have sat around this table are no longer with us and so this time is like more precious than ever, you know, being together is more precious than ever. So as much as Roxy and I are saying about our families and we're sharing a lot, I know we have a deep and abiding and unbroken love for our families. And I know that we are very fortunate to have loving families and we have a deep um, connection to our ancestors um, and we're fortunate, you know, that's so well said Prisca. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, the holidays could be a very difficult time for many people. Yeah. Because I think um, as we get older, we lose more and we experience death around us more, you know? And so when we're talking about seasons of gratitude, I think that we should really take advantage of that. True. Because it's like in the midst of a lot of pain, there's also a lot of joy. Yeah. And why not take time to celebrate that joy? Yeah. And so, you know, that being said, now we can get into the real dirt, right? But rocks, like, Uh I know we've been talking about, 
you know, your dynamic with your parents. And you kind of mentioned at the top of the show that you have some anxieties about potentially going back to Taiwan. Um, what typically happens when you return home? What's the, what are the layers that start to peel? Oh, before I started going through the self-work process, Mm -hmm. I think my, my first instincts going home was, did I lose enough weight? Fuck! (laughs) I'm always afraid of people commenting on my weight. Shit. And, and my parents would comment, my mom would comment on my weight first because her, it's her way of protecting me Mm. from what everybody else would say. And and I just got to give a shout out to Kelly Hudson. We just yes. did a podcast episode with her right before this for uh, What Are You Into? Go check it out. Go check it out. And, um, you know, we just talked about like how our mothers would say this to quote unquote protect us, but inherently create more mm-hmm. mental health issues yeah. because of all of this, all, all the other layers built on top of our body dysmorphia yeah. and, and all that. So, so that's the first thing that would happen. Second thing is I've lived away from them since I was 18. Right. So like I've lived in different places, different apartments. I've lived by myself. I mm-hmm. live with people. I live mm-hmm. in many different types of circles mm-hmm. and to suddenly live in their house the one that i didn't grow up in yeah it's almost like a guest room wow right? it doesn't have any of the things i like in it wow doesn't it's just a room mm-hmm. and my mom keeps everything very clean mm-hmm. and maybe a couple memories in like some boxes and photos and stuff and and so i'm like this is not my home this is mm-hmm. their home mm-hmm. right and then and then in the past when i was you know a lot younger my mother would because i you know i i grew up in the u.s if I didn't understand something, she'll immediately say in front of that person, in front of everyone. She doesn't understand that. Wow. Right. Yeah. Without allowing me a chance to like process it or at least come to the conclusion myself about what they mean without me asking. Right. Like, Oh, I actually didn't understand it. Can you care to explain like as an adult? So the infantilization Mm -hmm. is a really big aspect of it. Immediate. Yeah. And then also my voice, we talked about speaking in Mandarin or different languages and it's like, I would start to speak in a more tone. Like I would be more polite. I'm I'm a little bit more submissive. Mm -hmm. My, my voice would go higher. Mm -hmm. I, I become more feminine in the way that I'm more subdued. Right. And I guess like, yes, I become more feminine when I become Taiwanese, but like also, but not in an empowering way, not in like, not in like a a way that makes me feel good. Right, 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 right. So Mm -hmm. since this year, these past two years have happened, I've become, you know, I stand up for myself a lot faster. I defend what I think a lot faster. I am empowered by my community. I'm empowered by the discussions and the discernment that I have from doing a lot of reading. Right. Yeah. And I'm just afraid that that's probably too much for them to adapt to Mm. after the version of me that has lived with them is challenged so drastically. I see. Yeah. Have you ever had this happen to you before? Yes, although I don't think I've been away from my parents as much as you have. Over two so, years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, never over two years for sure. Um, but it's interesting because you and your parents talk every day. Yes. My parents and I, we don't. Like we, we're lucky if we text once a week. Like, you know what I mean? And And they live really close to me. So it's interesting to me because I'm never... I'm never that open with them to begin with, with, I'm not like closed off, but I'm, I'm not like an oversharer. And Mm -hmm. it was, 
it was like interesting because I think this week at Thanksgiving, like Abe was like really sharing with them stuff. And I was like, I would never show weakness like this in front of my parents. You, oh, you know what I mean? Mm. That's the thought I had. Yeah, because you're you're giving them ammo yes, for anything. Uh, yes. yeah. Ammunition to be concerned, to poke holes in something you say later yeah. um, by being like, well, you're too emotional because yeah. X, Y, Z. And, you know, and so I, I, I feel that ever since um, I'm, I went to school or even like maybe starting in high school, I started to just kind of cut off what I would show my parents to begin with, you know? So even when I'm with them, I'm, I'm, I'm consistent how I am with them mm-hmm. at, at all. You know, I'm like grown up a little bit and I share right. certain things, but I don't let them in too much. Because you know how they can hurt you yeah, though. Yeah. That's like you placing those healthy boundaries down. It's like, I think some of it's boundaries and then some of it's definitely like, I just can't let them access that. So I don't know which, which is which sometimes, you know, um, some of it's fear based and some of it's not. But I, you know, I do find it interesting because I, I'm curious with your parents because it's this very interesting, very opposite from mine dynamic where you talk every day. I don't know a lot of people who are as close to their parents as you are. But then as we've talked today, I'm starting to like see the full picture of like, you you are so close, but at the same time, you are so distant. So can I ask, how did you cultivate this heightened frequency of communication? You know, it's, it's interesting because it's like your parents are close in proximity, yeah. but you don't talk to them as often. No. And mine is like very far in proximity. Yes. And I'm like more, more talk often. Talk to them every day. Yeah, talk to them every day. Yeah. And so it's like this whole thing. <laughs> there's yeah. a part of me that's like, maybe I'm a little toxic. But like, <laughs> it's like, it's like um this. It's like really nurturing something, right? Because Mm -hmm. the distance, we don't know when we're going to see each other again. And I just want to say Omicron is around the corner. All right. And like, I don't see Taiwan lifting their restrictions anytime soon for travelers. So we don't know when we're going to see each other again. And I just think I can take my parents in spoonfuls. Yeah. I can take my mother in spoonfuls. Mm -hmm. I cannot like living with her for a whole month. No. That's a fucking different dynamic. Yeah. What do I, I realize that distance does make the heart grow fonder. She's more willing to be present if the time is more scarce. Interesting. So in a way, I know it's not like we're manipulating the relationship because as you get older, Mm -hmm. you realize what works with different relationship dynamics. Right. And I get to know my parents a lot more as an adult. Right. As an adult. Yes. As an adult. But when you go back and live with them, it reverts back to you as a child. Exactly. The Ah. pattern, the physical pattern, because it's physically set up that way. Right. But it's like, because I get, I get to also tell them when I have to go. Yeah. Or like, I can only be here for a little bit or they tried me and they didn't pick up. Like I have my own life. I have that autonomy. Therefore, the exchange is much more mature. Got when it's a FaceTime it. relationship. Got it. So for example, I mean, this is a different example, but for any of you goatees who have long distance relationships, right. I'm very curious as well. Yeah. Like for example, if you've been long distance for a certain amount of years and then you live with them, how does that change? Right. Well, like, you know, it reminds me of my sister Rose and I, yeah. and, you know, we are best friends right. and I love her, um, but we've been apart from each other nine years now eight years like Mm -hmm. if you include college like you know plus 
Um, and so it's been so long since we've lived together. And when we were younger, I think we were kind of codependent. Like I would drive up to Santa Barbara every weekend, you know, just to be with her. And we were supposed to live together, but she ended up getting into art school in New York. So she moved out to New York and now she lives in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And she has cultivated such a different life from me. She's a climber. She's a programmer. Um, she is a very, I would say, devout climber. It's mm -hmm. like she boulders maybe, maybe five, six times a week, right? And only takes a break because it's like good for her body. Like, you know, not because she wants to take a break. So when she comes out home now, um, first off, we share so openly on the phone, but she's told me she like has to acclimate to being open in real life with me because she's not open in real life with anybody. Wow. And so she's to acclimate because on the phone, I'm just like this dis like, you know, dismembered body. Like I'm not, I'm not physical. I'm just someone she can kind of like spill things. You're almost to. not real. I'm almost like not a, like real. A, like a genie sister. It, kind of. Yeah. And, and then like kind of vice versa. Although I'm very good at sharing in person. That's like my love language. You know, yeah. I like to talk. Um, I like to share emotions and it drives her crazy. Like she doesn't do that with anybody. She's an Aquarius. Oh, she's a, oh, Pisces? She's a Pisces. Oh, she's a Pisces. I know. So she has a lot of feelings, but then I don't know. She just, she's very, she's a very stoic person. You know, she's not, she's like, she is ruled by emotions, but she does not reveal the emotions. Right. So it's interesting. Right. right. And, you know, we always have to go through this like adjustment period where I'm fighting to be a certain level of closeness and she's fighting to maintain her autonomy. And usually like we break through it maybe day three and we have a good time. And then the day before or two days before she leaves, she starts to cut off again because she knows she's going to have to go back to New York. That's so interesting. And also closeness yeah. means something different to, yes. to, to the two people in the party. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Like closest to your dad may mean something different from you. And like right. closest with Vicky may mean something different. Totally different. To you. Yeah. But so I've had to like, I think I've had to let go. A lot of Rose, you know, obviously I will never diminish in my love for her, but in terms of how tie, I, I, I feel like how sticky I feel like I'm allowed to be or how much to care about, um, cause we used to fight every time she came home because I would be fighting to feel closer to her. And she would always need a certain amount of critical distance. This is so interesting because your dynamic is very maternal and child it's as well. It's very maternal. Yeah. yeah. It's so like I'm, you're fighting for closeness. So yes. She's fighting for her autonomy. For, yes. So I've had to let go of a lot. Right. Um, and I think it does make me really sad at times. I, I can't, I can't lie. Um, but, you know, I'm at a point now where when Rose is home, I want to make sure she has equal time with Vicky and, um, my family. And before I used to just be very selfish, like, no, I need one-on-one -on -one time with Rose, you know? And now we scarcely get one-on-one -on -one time. I, I think the last time she came, we didn't get any two times before that. Um, we had one coffee together and that, and we just don't get physical one-on-one -on -one time, um, when she's home anymore. Wow. And I think if I was 19 hearing that, I'd be like, no, that's impossible. But now, you know, being 32, 33, like I, I realize like because of this many years of distance, I've had to let her go in a lot of ways and learn to, I guess, fucking share. I don't know. You know what's yeah. crazy? So like, yeah. like, like I, <laughs> it's crazy how quickly the, the perspective and conversation shifts from topic one. Right. Because it's like topic one is very like me, 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 you yes. know, and like, and like the stress of family. Yeah. And then like topic two is just like. Yes, stressful. Yes, like darkness. Yes, pain. But like yeah. also 
that we need to cherish yeah. these people, you know? And it's like, we, 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 we have to learn to cherish and, and share gratitude. And yeah. it's like, that. like what I really hear is that like with the lack of, you know, one-on-one time with the ones that you thought that you had all the time with in the world. Yeah. Like for example, like the one-on-ones with Rose. And for me, it's like physical time with my parents. Right. Like I've always just dreamt about like what a, what it would be like if I could just get a timeshare in Taiwan and I would not live with them. And they'll be like, Hey dad, mom, dinner tonight. You know, like, right. like I've never had that before. Yeah. Like, like a lot of adults have that with their family. Right. I don't have that. I've never known what that and was like. And I think like. you guys are set up for that in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Your dynamic might, it, that might really benefit your dynamic, but it's not where you're at right now. It's not where we're at right now. And so it's, it's sort of hard to sort of envision that sometimes because yeah. we're so used to having this be the way yeah. for the past, I don't know, 50, 15 years. Yeah. And it, what's scary is, you know, hopefully our parents are in good health, but in 15 years, they're going to be at a completely different level of mobility, of uh, ability, of um, desire to, to travel, to move, to dance, to sing. Like they're going to be at a different place. So our time really is limited and we're lucky if we get 15 years, 20 years with them. Great. But a lot of people don't. And we may not. And, you know, it's crazy. Like, I think just realizing, yeah, how much, um, how limited our time is and how much we do love them. And as difficult as some of these dynamics are, how much we do need them and love them and want to be around them. I love you, mom and dad. Seriously. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, you know, but, but it's, it's just like what we all want to take away with our time with our family are joyful moments. Yeah. But I think as we become more sensitive to different things and we, we experience more as we get older, we have our own desired wants and like the constant having to meet in the middle and, and asking for them to meet us in the middle is very hard sometimes. It can be, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, I think when we talk about setting boundaries with our parents, it's, it sounds very nice, you know, and it is very nice. It's very important. But I think it's important to realize, like, it also comes with the loss of other things that you may not be prepared for. A hundred. And so sometimes when you set boundaries, you're like, I don't want you to speak to my life. You also have to forgo this, like, version of taken care of that you've become very accustomed to. You kind of have to, like, let that go as well. And it might come back, it might not, but you have to like set that as part of the boundary as well, you know, and that's difficult. And, and sometimes like you have to like not let them into certain parts of your life if it's going to be at risk of them tearing it down. You know, give an example. So I think just like my, just like autonomy. And I think uh, for me, obviously it, it has a lot to do with the church. Yeah. And I think for a long time, my parents were my greatest religious guides and also my greatest religious, um, I don't know, guards. And so they would both guide me and guard me from leaving the castle or the fortress. He was a princess. Yeah. And so I think when I began my process of leaving the church or just thinking outside of the church, even, um, I had to really fight to have autonomy of thought. And that sometimes meant not allowing them into my process because I needed to work it out for myself, you know, because 
they would often just turn it straight back to the Bible says X and the Lord says this. And if you think outside of that paradigm, like it almost doesn't even exist. And so for myself to make sense of certain things within the religion, I had to think about things outside of religion. And to make sense of myself, I had to think about the context of what religion played in my life instead of the religion being the be all end all. So it's almost like, it's almost like Ariel, like, you know, I had to get out of the water. I I, I had to go out on land and explore and, and figure some things out. You know what, though? I think like at the end of the day, that's what makes them successful parents mm. because they've, you have challenged you know, sort of the space that you grew up in. Yeah. Like to continue to follow that without autonomy of thought. Yeah. I think that would make them fail parents because right. then they're just forcing something for you to follow. But if they accept you, you know, I mean, yeah. maybe not a hundred percent with what, with what you've shared, but like, you're still continuing this yeah. relationship. Like we are, I think like my mom, like she does make an effort and I see her make that effort yeah. because it is very clear that it's very difficult for her. Yes. You know, like, when I talk about my polyamorous relationships right. or like when I talk about my attraction to women or when I talk about these things that I test her from a safe distance yes. because of the safety of But you feel Gina her holding time. her breath. Yes. But yeah. she stays on it. Yeah. She's, yeah. 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 She doesn't hang up. Right. She, 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 you could see her like clenching. Right. Yeah. <laughs> trying to nod. Just her ass cheeks just slamming yeah, together. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, that's my mom's effort. Yeah. And, and you know, when I'm like, hey, I want to go to Taipei on this day, you know, right. like. Not asking for permission, but saying, I'm going to go see my friends right. in Taipei. Yeah. You know, and then she'll be like, all right. Well, and then like not asking when I'm going to be home. Right. Not asking, oh, are you going to, oh, that, are you going to eat dinner out there? Because this is my schedule for the day. And like making a really conscious effort yeah. to embrace me as an adult. So I like really appreciate that, That's you know? beautiful. I know. So I'm like, I, I think like, I, I just want to share this one story because um, a couple years ago I was in Taiwan and... um there was this girl, we were having like a social dinner with like my dad and a couple of his colleagues yeah. and their wives and their yeah. kids. And the kids are like all my age, right? Adults. Aww. Okay. In their thirties. And this one girl was watching me talk, to, talk to my mom. Right. And my mom and I were talking about something. And, and then she was like, how do you, how do you have a relationship with your daughter like that? Wow. And then my mom, she was like, what do you mean? She was like, you, you're just so close. Aww. And then, you know, sometimes you lack perspective because sure. you're so deep in it. You nitpick fucking shit. Yeah. And then um, my mom like goes to her and like, she's like beaming. Right. She's like, oh, I'm like Roxy's best friend. <laughs> I like to think that I'm Roxy's best friend. And then this, this woman, you know, she just like nodded and kept quiet. And then at dinner, dinner, when things were happening, her mom said something to her that set her off oh. and suddenly she started crying oh my gosh. like a grown-ass woman yeah. crying and it's like you never let me do this and i did this and i was so unhappy all of it came out wow. at the dinner table and this is something that like you know you would be reprimanded yeah. by like fucking keep that behind closed sure. doors but because that family never allowed that space to discuss their emotions wow. openly she was I guess triggered by what she saw with yeah. me and my mom and all of it just sort of came out like in a dinner table like one of those round Chinese yeah. dinners with the lazy Susan yeah with the lazy Susan with about at least 12 people wow 12 she like, just couldn't take it anymore no there was like at least eight other strangers there wow and so it's like I don't know, Goatees. I'm sure that a lot of you have stories about this as well. We yeah. would love to hear it. Yeah. And, and let's, you know, I think it's always in phases, you know, and I think Roxy and I, we're, 
we were in our thirties and it's still changing, <laughs> you know, and we're still working on it, but it's a lot better than before, Oh, 100. you know, yeah. but we all have gone and put in a lot of emotional labor to get to where we're at. And it's, it doesn't make it any easier, you know? And I think, I think, you know, I think it is beautiful where we are at with our parents, but it took a lot of fighting. It took a lot of pushback. It took a lot of, it took, I, I, the thing I hated about it was like having to be more mean than I wanted to be. Like, I didn't want to be mean. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be almost calloused, but I had to put up a barrier just to push back. And that was really difficult. Cause but that's you standing up for yourself. You yeah, know what I'm saying? But like, like I want to just be shell swan, right? I want to roll over you and are do anything. You are it, it is part yeah. of it, right? But like, I just want to behave, you know, I want to give my parents everything but then I also had to recognize when it was robbing something from me. I think being Asian American and, and being raised like, you know, Taiwanese or Chinese traditionally, it's like it's sometimes difficult to find the line, you know, and, and we're just here to also say, yeah, it's fucking tricky. And I just want to say it's hard either way. It's hard either way. It's you know? hard no matter what. It's hard no matter what. And yeah. it's, like, it's not everything that's presenting like on social media, like happy, happy, happy all yeah. the time is just not, not fucking true. true. All right. It's always fucking tricky. And like. You have to learn to fight for yourself and then also like, but then also not be selfish. And then, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, it, wow. Yeah. So no one can tell you where that line no, is. Exactly. Yeah. But you know what you can rely on is that yeah. two honey ghosts will yeah. always be here to yes. tell you our truth. So, <laughs> yeah, that's where we're at, y'all. Yeah. So, um, this was quite the conversation. I think to kind of close this part up, um, <sighs> I guess I just want to ask. I, have, I have a question. Oh, okay. You do have a question. I okay. have a question okay, to close okay. this off. So, okay. um, and and this is stolen from, you know, like Kelly's interview with us earlier, because mm. I think it's such a good question. And hopefully it leaves enough room for all of you to reflect on as well mm. today. So you and I are pretty masculine. Yeah. Grr. Yeah. I'm and st- <laughs> 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 so I don't know. Fuck? I don't know. Um, <laughs> Maybe not. So I mean, our, our mothers never really nurtured us in the way that we expected or mm. that we wanted. And then you had to be the nurturer to yeah. like your two sisters. Yeah. And um, so who nurtures you in the way that you desire? I think it's something I'm still working on. Um, More specifically than maternal, because we we know we have partners, but like maternally. Yeah, maternally. I think it's funny because in our friend groups, I know that Roxy and I are the secret, like, don't let other people nurture us. We nurture them. We're the moms. Yeah. And like, because we plan things and we, you know, we like... Anytime we go out, I'm always watching over everyone and making sure no one's too drunk or like, you know, and we do it tacitly. We're not like overbearing. I don't, I don't think, but I think that it's hard to not be overbearing. Yeah. I, and I think I've talked about this before, but I think Roxy was one of the first friends and also my friend Emerson back in, um, Oh God, love, you know, back in college and now she's a mom and like amazing. I totally see why, but I think you two are people that taught me how it's okay to let someone take care of you like it's okay because I always feel like it's not okay like I shouldn't and when I do I feel guilty but you two were the first people that kind of revealed that to me that it's okay to have um someone step in and you know for you to put their head in their lap and for you to cry um for you to be weak it's okay because they're not like it's like people that unlike our mother's aren't going to weaponize your emotions against you 
which I think was the hardest thing. Cause I think a lot of times when I decided to be soft in front of my mom in her way of loving me, she wanted to toughen me up. And so would weaponize certain emotional things against me. Um, and then through you, I've met, you know, Rochelle and Leah, who are your besties and some of my BFFs too. Um, and they just never make you feel unwanted. No thought is ever too frivolous with them. They will, they are the most yes. And like they, they would make the best improv group. You know what I mean? (laughs) Because any dream you have, they are willing to dream it with you. Yes. And so, yeah, you too, you're a part of that as well. You You would be the fucking lead of that improv group girl. (laughs) Comedy sports. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. How about you, Roxy? Honestly, I don't know what I would do without my female friends. Mm. Like, like, um, and this goes for just like platonic friendships, friendships in general, having fun, but also nurtures. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, whenever I'm going through a hard time, physically, emotionally, spiritually, who nurtures me? Yeah. It's like, obviously my partner goes to a certain point. Sure. But they can only go through a certain point. And then it's like, and then I have like my very close platonic, you know, girlfriends that I think they can intuitively feel like you yeah. can intuitively yes. feel me. Yeah. Like I don't have to say anything. I could be saying fucking bullshit. Yeah. And be like, well, that's fucking yeah. bullshit. I'm like what's really going on? Yeah. It's like yeah. the way that your mother can read you. The My, my friends can read me as right. well. Yeah. So, and because we're like, we're like, I don't know. We have that female intuition. That's yeah. so fucking powerful. Right. And, um, it's kind of unexplained. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, what, like, I think, having friends like that who taught me how to soften. Yeah. And then that whole thing about like, you could be strong and be soft at the same time. Yeah. You know, um, that allows me to create more space for those who I think need it. And because I give it, I also receive. Yeah. And you know, I, I would, I would also say like my last thing, I guess, is the boundaries that I've set up with my mom have made it so we have a, a far enough critical distance where I can apply to her the softness that I've experienced from mm. others. And even though I, it doesn't, it's not like I'm looking for a certain result, but there's something really nice about being able to be, at least for me, nurturing and soft to my mom at times, you know, even though it's like, like laden with like jokes and like sarcastic comments and whatnot, it's like, I can still apply the softness to her that I wouldn't have been able to, had I not set boundaries, had I not had the time to heal and grow and change, like I'm able to be soft with her. And sometimes she doesn't know how to receive it, but you also don't want happening. to cross her threshold too much. Either, yeah, right? and, yeah. But it's there and yeah. that's healing for me as well because it's kind of bringing things a little full circle, you know, totally. Well, go tease. We hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. Yes. Now we're going to do a very awkward transition because we have a very uh, wait. high energy jingle. Oh, um, so um, oh, uh, do you hear wait, that? Do you, oh, did you hear Hey, Prisca, you know what it's for? Hey, what's happening? I was just hit with the unsolicited pics bus. And uh, yeah, it was kind of like the bus in Shang-Chi. Just <laughs> driven by Aquafina, running down the side of a San Francisco hill. How do 
I know what the sign is. What signal? What signal? (laughs) (laughs) Babe. Yes. Unsolicited pics. Okay. So, okay. 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 So I've talked about Killian Murphy on this show before. I've recommended Piggy Blinders, I think, but I have just rewatched the fourth and fifth season. So so you're unsolicited. Yeah. It's just. (laughs) (laughs) Um. It is just a fucking good piece of television. <laughs> I don't know what else to say, but I would say the last, like the especially this um, last season, Anthony Byrne, I think is his, it, how you pronounce his name. He directed this entire fifth season. Wow. Um, so it is just so he's such a visually driven person, and while the first three seasons are visually. Splendid as well. <laughs> I was like, splendiferous? Um, while they're splendid as well, the fourth and fifth season, I think, because technological advances and then just, you know, just kind of the growth of the characters and the se- and the set design and whatnot, it is just lush. Like, you just want to just... And I got a new Apple TV 4K, and so everything just looks extra, like... Orgasmic. Like Killian looks Ugh. so good. Like, I just took a spoon out and just, like, just ate them up. Yeah, it was delicious. And, you know, all the characters have really grown, and they've really become, like, their own entities, and... You know, RIP to Helen McCrory, who passed away this year. Mm. Um, and so there's going to be a new season, uh, January, I think 22nd. I don't know, whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, so season six is coming out. So if you need to catch up, I would say fourth, fifth season are some really good TV. So anyway, um, so yeah, today's like basically the repeat unsolicited picks. <laughs> I was wondering if this yeah. was a mistake. No, it's not a mistake. It's intentional. But it's just, you know, Peaky Blinders, you should just, you should really go revisit before the sixth season. Right. Okay, okay. Um, yes. Yeah, so we talked about Adam Liao, but I didn't specifically talk about the Hainan chicken recipe. Oh. So I've made it three times now. Is it hard? Um, it is a project. Yeah. It is not like a easy it peasy. Looks, it looks very innocent. It's um, um, it's not hard, but it's not easy. Right, um, right. So basically what you have to do is, you know, clean a nice, you get a whole chicken. And so I got like an organic whole chicken. But what you really want to do is like get two chickens because you want double the chicken flavor. So you basically give it both of them a salt scrub. Uh-huh. Um, and then you throw, and then you throw in some like uh, ginger and spring onions and you boil down that first chicken until the breast is like 165. You pull that out, save that. That's going to be a great lunch, lunch meat. Then you, then you get to town with the second chicken because then you have this double concentrated chicken stock. Uh-huh. So already that's like a good amount of work. So that's how you do the chicken. And then you have to um, plunge it into an ice bath, which is a lot because it's a whole chicken. So it's like a lot of sink space. Then you hang it, uh, cover it with sesame oil and let it kind of like cool down on its own. That's how it becomes this like collagenous, like soft, juicy, silken piece of chicken. So yeah. And and then then the, the most difficult parts are the sides. So the hot sauce that I made for you today um, oh, is like bird's eye chili, so salt, sugar, um, like lem- or lime and then, yeah, chicken stock. Then you got to make the spring um, ginger oil. So you got to pound that out and make that. And then you got to make the rice, which is adding oh. some chicken fat to uh-huh. the rice and then the chicken stock that you've made. Yeah, the rice is like a whole nother gong The rice is a whole process. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so by the, by projects end you are starving but you can eat Hainan chicken for like three days straight so it is like I ate it like 
I swear to you, because we we had two chickens, I ate it every day for like like a week and a half. Like it was almost like went bad. I was just like, I'm just going to keep eating it. And the great thing is you can eat it cold or room temperature. Like you don't really have to heat it up. So, well, the rice, you know, you do, but, and then you boil some stock and then boom. Wow. It's like the best meal. And Adam Liao just has a great way of being hot and very sexy while explaining to you this very complicated recipe. He's like zaddy all the way. He really is. He's really a hot dad. I'm very into it. Like, yeah. yeah. And his his parents, his family's actually from the region. So it's like a very authentic, you know... I gotta recipe. taste this girl. I yeah. know that it's a whole process to make. I should so make it next time. time next yeah. time, just freeze some for okay, me. Okay, I would love okay, to try okay. it. I promise. Honestly, Priscilla's like <laughs> like one of the best chefs that I've known in this I lifetime. Know. I ah! love everything that ah! she makes. Okay, um, Rossi, okay, how about you? Really quickly. So um, yesterday, my girls and I went to Huntington Library a day yes! after Thanksgiving for like a nice stroll around the park. Hottest ticket in town. Yes, and then um, we we were we haven't had like. Shabu shabu in a restaurant oh. since the pandemic. Oh my gosh. Because we made some, you know, like yeah. at each other's houses, yeah. but like they don't cut the meat fresh yeah. for you and there's like certain the types of meat, yeah. you know, you don't get like the frozen pre-cut no. like at a grocery yeah. store, even though the veggies might be like, so then, and also, so we went to this place called Oseo Shabu, which is right next to the Huntington Yum. Library. It was 4.30. Okay. It was packed. <gasps> What? Yeah, it was packed. Oh, Black Bowman. Friday. Oh, wow. No, just generally. It's Bowman. Oh, oh, it's always yeah, Always. And oh. then we ate, we, we, we stuck our heads down and we didn't lift our heads up because we were all just oh like, the, the homemade sauces, <gasps> like everything was so good. We had like the ribeye. It was like delicious. Also, it's so cheap. What? A pitcher, a pitcher of Sapporo, no. which probably could serve like eight glasses, was $14. Shut up. It's like they don't know inflation. What? Like everything was really cheap. Yeah. So then so then we we ate a lot. Our heads were down. We lifted our heads up at 5 p.m. Uh, there was a line outside the door. Oh my gosh. So their so family there the run right business. Time. Yeah, we we got there right when they opened at 4:30. Oh my gosh. And already gosh. there were like people like going towards the door and Ratch was like, "Fuck no, fuck no. We got to get <laughs> fuck that shit. Go. Like we got to go." It's us that be yeah, yeah, exactly. Like we got we got move, bitch. Like, go bitch, just move bitch. So like uh you know, we're 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 really nice people, but when yeah. it comes to food and yeah. if we're hangry, yeah. then don't fucking oh, mess yeah, with yeah. us. So we just walk six miles. I you know will what I'm elbow saying? you. Yeah, yeah, I will elbow you for a bowl and of I am soup. five feet tall, so I am crotch city with I my elbow. I am ready. <laughs> and so like, so it's a family run business. They've been around for a very long yeah. time. So please go support Oseo Shabu Amazing. in Pasadena. Um, we watched a movie last night called Gerald's Game. Ooh. And Gerald's Game has been around for a while. It's one of Mike Flanagan's earlier work um, back in 2017. And it's uh, based off a novel by Stephen King. Ooh. And, um, I think uh, it's interesting because I know about the premise or the inciting incident of this movie. It is a horror movie. So um, if you're a big fan of horror, please go watch it. But it also, it was just crazy because earlier we did the podcast with Kelly on, um, oh, you know, what are you into? And then we had a recent episode about grooming. So there is a really big element to this that is based off of that. And um, so if you're curious, please go watch it. I do think the ending is bullshit, but I think it was not Mike's fault. I think it was definitely producers or like the studio. Oh, you smell that, huh? Yeah, yeah. Because it was really good up until the ending. But um, it's a very interesting cerebral psychological horror film. I do think Mike Flanagan is one of the best like horror 
Midnight Mass. Oh my God. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Midnight mm-hmm. Mass. Also, there's a part, it's crazy because this movie was made maybe like five years ago. Wow. And then you see like the main character, she grabs a book from the shelf to throw it at something and it says Midnight Mass. On oh it. shit. So like earlier. Easter eggs. Easter eggs. It's like all of this was like planned like very early on, like oh, an only internal like universe. Pixar. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But like Mike Flanagan was like planning this for like 10 years. And like there's a movie called Hush oh. where there's a woman like who is deaf and she is an author and she was like attacked by, you know, um, an assailant like in her house and she's the writer of Midnight Mass. No way. Yeah. And then so like, you know, he's, uh, he's planted all of this wow. like for a long time. But I anyways, I would say go watch the movie. I would love to know what you think. Yes. Um, and on that note... <gasps> Are you going to pull a little card for the collective Miss Roxy, Miss Sun Queen Tarot at com? No, uh, on the Instagrams. Oh, no. no, 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 no. There's no such thing as a bad card. Okay, but uh, your face says it all. Well, there are two cards that sort of came out that I want to talk about. So I know that okay. I've mentioned the world card in mm-hmm. previous, but I also felt compelled to pull another one. Okay. And the world card and the moon card came out together. Okay. So they're both major arcana cards. So the world card talks about grand endings grand beginnings and as we come to the end of 2021 yeah i hope that is something that you meditate on um, as we close out this year the moon also talks about our shadow aspects and the things that we're most (laughs) afraid to confront and um i just really wish that um as we get closer to the end of the year if you have some time to yourself to really sit and think about what it is that you truly desire Mm. Uh, look at the relationships around you think about what creates joy within Mm. you sort of a little bit reflective about like the topics that we discussed today Mm. as well and just be mindful of what we take for granted Mm -hmm. right but also knowing what things need to end Mm. so um saying goodbye to old cycles 2021 will not come around again Right. We welcome 2022 with open arms, also knowing what ups and downs that it might bring as well. So I I know that we tend to always look at the end of the year as like a way to close out the old and a brand new fresh start. Yeah. But let's also be discerning about the fact that life is a roller roller coaster. Yeah. We don't know know what it's going to bring. And, you know, Goatees, I've had quite a few beloved friends lose some parents over this past couple of weeks. So. If you are in touch with your parents and they're still around, just give them a call. Yeah. Just give them a call. Even if they annoy the fuck out of you sometimes. Just yeah, do it. just do it. If you're in touch and, and that's part of your, you know, relational dynamic, give them a call. Talk to them because we just have no fucking idea if we're going to be here or if they're going to be here. So let's just hold on to those we love. And on that note. Have a horny week. Our lovely goatees. And, and remember. Stay. Get ready for some feels. Our friend Alpha's newest single, Every Word You Say, is going to take you back to a time where you were massively in love with someone, but had to make a choice not to continue that love because of stronger forces. Have some tissues handy and enjoy. I come back, right back. Every memory that we are making They are laid out on the bed True and naked 
podcast is hosted by Roxy and Priska. Engineered by Abraham Kim. Music by Abraham Kim. Incidental music provided by Dan, a.k.a. Dan. Artwork by Connie N. Please visit us at twohornygoats.com. Have thoughts or questions for us? Email us at hello at twohornygoats.com. Love you. Bye. <laughs>